Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to lift our eyes above our circumstances unto the Lord. It's a dreadful thing to see today. The critical culture around us seep into the church and among us so that now the church sounds like and looks like the world around them because they share the same angst. Now, while we may share the same angst, church, we, we have hope in Jesus Christ. We have faith in God and his promises. And we have the opportunity to turn to him in dependence and utter surrender. And as pastors and leaders and servants in his church, God has enabled us to keep our eyes and help one another collectively get our eyes on the Lord. This is amazing grace. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Abounding Grace. In these difficult and challenging times, many are growing discouraged and even depressed. Maybe that would describe you. That's the place David found himself in 1 Samuel 27. Saul is after him, and he makes the decision to take things into his own hands. It's a decision he would regret, and there would be consequences. Pastor Ed Taylor is with me now, and Ed, what we're about to listen to is the first of a four-part series delivered recently at our Refresh Ministry Conference. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the conference, what the purpose is, and how the Lord used it? Yeah, Larry, you know, we are a few months away from the Refresh Conference, really a month and a half, uh, and it was such a great, encouraging time. Almost 900 people gathered here uh, to be built up in the Lord here at Calvary in Aurora. And we studied the Word together, we worshiped together, we fellowshiped together. And this year was a first. I know it may not sound like that big of a deal, but it's a huge deal. We had the in and out food truck here on property for lunch uh, to begin with, which makes us an official Calvary Chapel. <laughs> you know, ever since I moved here from Southern Cal, we write in them notes, bring in and out, bring in and out. Well, they are in Colorado now, and this was a big first. But more important than the food was the spiritual food that the Lord gave us. And to, to, to see how the Holy Spirit wove together four individuals where you do, we didn't sit down beforehand, we didn't compare our notes, we were just given the instruction to pray, seek the Lord. The theme, the faithfulness of God, and how important it is for us to receive and remember the faithfulness of God. What a conference, and I know the studies are going to bless you, I know that you're going to be built up, and listen to them all straight through, and if you miss any, listen to the archive, because this is for you in the days in which we live. And with that, let's get into our first Bible study in the Refresh series. Here again is Pastor Ed. 1 Samuel chapter 27, I've entitled our Bible study, There's Nothing Better for Me Than to Trust God. Nothing better for me than to trust God. And here we are gathered in a time and in a season of great discouragement and disillusionment, surrounded by difficulties and despair. 
Among us, even in the room right now, are fears and anxieties. There are doubts and worries among us, concerns. And they all have a way of blinding us to the faithfulness of God. As the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Or the psalmist would write again in Psalm 42, verse 5, Why, and this is from the New Living Translation, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, and I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. And what days we're living in today. I know it's an overused word, but I can't find another word to really describe the days in which we live other than unprecedented, at least in our generation. Certainly every generation's faced their own challenges, but here we are with unprecedented times before us in our generation. Unprecedented times met with unprecedented opportunities for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus to go forward. But you know as well as I do, people in our church, they're discouraged. You may have a pastor or an elder friend that is distracted and have gotten off course with the uncertainties and unfairness and challenges. I mean, from 2021 now almost to the end of, or from 2020 now almost to the end of 2021, man, it's really taken its toll mentally, spiritually, physically. We see mental health issues at an all-time high. More people fearful and anxious. And even at the bottom of so many hearts is this deep sense of discouragement. And you add to that this atmosphere of skepticism, divisions, criticisms, conspiracy theories. It's made things very challenging in communicating the gospel to those in our lives. And I mean, perhaps you can agree, perhaps you see it differently, but in the 24 years of ministry that I have pastored, both here and in California, I've personally never ever in my entire ministry seen so much division in the body of Christ, even within our own little family, among us. It seems like encouragement and support is actually being discouraged by these Powerful cultural pressures, political strife, cynicism, distrust. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and that, like, it seems like everybody's living on edge. Do you see that? On edge. And, and although we're walking in the Spirit, we're desiring to follow the Lord, we're on edge, and our flesh is just waiting for the moment that we'll let it go. I mean, for you, I don't know how it's happened for you, but I, you know what's happening with me is I have become very impatient as a driver. I haven't always been that way. I've just been so impatient. Like, like it seems like the flesh is always looking, my flesh is always looking for a way to be fed. And right now it's drivers. Maybe you on the way here, I don't know. And it hit, me, it hit me a few months ago, about a month ago or so, that I was yelling at someone with Marie in the seat next to me. And I'm like, what? In my mind, I'm thinking, what am I doing? But then I began to think, but Ed, you've been doing that a lot lately. You've been doing that a lot. Another thing I've noticed in my own personal life, not, not only have I seen my flesh wanting to come out in one area, I've also noticed that God has allowed quite a few circumstances in my life to severely humble me and bring a humility into my life. 
And that's been, you know, my prayer journal as I jot it down on my iPad. It's been something I've been writing. I remember one, one morning I just wrote this, just a simple line. That's probably the whole entry. God is humbling me right now. And it causes me to wonder, what is it the Lord wants from me? How does he want to use me in these last days? I've come to the place on my own personal walk where I've acknowledged and, and admitted that I have more years behind me than I have in front of me. And I want to finish well. I, I don't want to go astray of some of the ways that I have been personally discipled. I don't want to begin in the spirit only to try to perfect things in the flesh. I don't want to take things into my own hands and try to make things more comfortable for me or get out from under, yes, that heavy hand of the Lord that brings humility into his servants, his men and women, to use them in even greater ways. And it's a dreadful thing to see today. The critical culture around us seep into the church and among us so that now the church sounds like and looks like the world around them because they share the same angst. Now, while we may share the same angst, church, we, we have hope in Jesus Christ. We have faith in God and his promises. And we have the opportunity to turn to him in dependence and utter surrender and as pastors and leaders and servants in his church, God has enabled us to keep our eyes and help one another collectively get our eyes on the Lord. And it is true, we can get caught up in the emotion of it all, the hardships, the impossibilities, to think to ourselves that it's just over. It's over. We've come to the end, and this is the generation. It's over. There's no hope. I can't go on any longer as you began to personalize it. I finally come to the end of my ministry, some of you may be thinking. It's finally come to the end of my marriage, some of you are thinking. It's come to the end of my future. I just don't see any hope in the I don't see how this will turn out for anything good. And it's then there's a real temptation to think, think, take things into our own hands, to try to fix the situation, to adjust it, massage it work it, make it so that we get the best of both worlds, at least what we think. We get what we want, when we want it, the way we want it, all the while refusing to surrender and submit ourselves to the perfect will of God. That's a real temptation that I think many of us have fallen to. But God is truly, through the circumstances, bringing you and me to the end of ourselves. He's bringing us to the place of absolute surrender, haven't you found this to be true? Someone once said, until we come to the end of ourselves, we don't really experience the power of God. It's always mixed with our abilities and our efforts. As Pastor Chuck Smith has taught us all, what we're going through today is always preparation for what God has in the future. And he writes in his book, Why Grace Changes Everything, and I quote, I look back now and see the momentous events that didn't seem so momentous at the time. Now I realize that these incidents were the crossroads in my life that helped to shape and determine my destiny. He writes, looking back, I can see the hand of God in each of these situations, although at those times, I didn't realize God's hand was anywhere nearby. I thought God had deserted me. But now I see how God was working in every difficult circumstance in my life to prepare me for the work he ordained for me. It's an exciting thing to recall some of the decisions I made at critical moments and realize that God's hand was leading me all along. 
He writes, we sing all the way my Savior leads me. And in hindsight, I can testify that God's hand was upon my life from the beginning. Sometimes God supernaturally intervened to protect me because he had a special work for me to do and he was fitting me for that work. And I believe we're living in such a day. God is fitting us for the work. Days of preparation, days of dependence, days of utter surrender to our loving and faithful God. But understand this as we come to our text today. If you choose, like David, to take things into your own hands, listen, jot it down if you're taking notes, and you can put it in the first person. That's how important it is. If you choose to take things into your own hands, like David did, you'll regret it. You will regret the rebellion in your heart against the perfect will of God. How much better and wiser and stronger to commit our ways unto the Lord, trusting always in Him, and let Him bring things to pass. Which brings us to verse 1 of chapter 27 in the life of David. He comes to a very, very challenging time in his life. Notice with me in verse 1 for Samuel 27. David said in his heart, <laughs> this pause there, mistake number one. He's counseling himself. He's assessing the situation, dealing with what's going on. And David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday at the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. That's his plan. In one verse, his plan. He comes to the conclusion as he assesses all the years he's been on the run. The great power of King Saul. His own personal, emotional, and spiritual exhaustion. Physically on the run. Having to deal with the difficulties. Answering to the people that were trusting him. And he had no control over the situation. Not knowing how long, if ever, it will last. And he has his plan. And it's been confirmed by himself. That he's going to run away. And you see it. He's going to join the Philistines. How about we rephrase that. And paraphrase that for a moment. David says, it's so hard, it's so difficult, I'm not going on anymore. David's going to kill me. I think I will run away to the enemy. I will run away to the enemy. Then I will be out. Life will be so much better then. Because Saul will just get tired, he won't chase me anymore. And he didn't even think ahead of what it would be like to live with the enemy. What price he would pay for aligning up with, the, with the, those that hated God. David arose, verse 2, and went over with him. The 600 men were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Again, if you're taking notes just by way of overview, whenever you make a bad decision, not only, number one, will you regret it, but number two, people will follow you. People will follow your lead. Why? Because they trust you. God has built in a relationship of trust in the body of Christ. I like to share here with the men and women that are being trained in ministry that trust is the currency of ministry. And when somebody shows up on the property here, 
or tunes into a radio station or calls on the phone or sends an email, they are saying without saying, I trust you with my problem. And you can either build that trust or lose that trust. But I'll tell you what, when they look to you for leadership and direction and you make a bad decision, you go to the enemy, you got 600 people following you that you will give account to God for. It's that serious. You see, these follow him. They go over with him, verse 3. And now David's at home in Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household. David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And so it was. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath. And so he sought him no more. Which is super dangerous because sometimes your own fleshly ideas and your own fleshly words and things that you take into your own hands seem to work. That's what he wanted. He was tired of Saul chasing him, and it appears that it worked. We come to David in a time here of a deep discouragement and depression descends upon him. In Psalm 13, verse 1, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Some of you feel like that right now. You assess your life and your ministry. You assess where you are. Some of you are so frustrated with where you are in serving the Lord. Frustrated with the people you serve. Frustrated with the city you're in. Frustrated with the position you've been placed in. Frustrated in a thousand different ways. Have you forgotten me, God? And you feel that way. Take comfort that you're not the only one. You're not the only one that that may be feeling, how long will you hide your face from me, he says. How long shall I take counsel in my soul? Which is where David is here. David's assessing the situation, thinking about it, processing it. And he finally comes to the conclusion, it's over. Saul's going to kill me. I think I'll run away to the enemy for the protection that they can give me. And you go, wow, I would never do that. Really? Truly? How many times has this happened to us? David loved God. He's the one that's writing psalms. He's the one that's praying. He's the one that's stepping out in faith. He's the one up to this point has been living patiently upon the Lord. But the mistake began when he was talking to himself. You want to be very careful who you seek counsel from. In tough times, you tend to seek counsel with people that agree with you. Even social media giants understand this as they create algorithms for you to only see the things that you want to see. And you wonder why you're so frustrated and angry all the time when they've set you up. You just see the same exact things all the time. And they agree with you and then they make you more angry and then they send you, oh, you're angry at that? Here, let me give you another angry one. And then you call a buddy of yours and guess what? He's angry too. And then you go into the kitchen and talk to your wife. Guess what? You've ticked her off too. And all the people that could speak into your life and all the people that could give you the word and all the people that could speak the truth have disappeared. When we begin to talk to ourselves in our hearts, that's when things really get mixed up and confused. And again, it's not just talking to ourselves. We have a whole new world in which we live today. You're not just talking to yourselves, but you're also talking to YouTube people 
or at least you're listening to them and letting them fill you with information. Then there's that 60-second TikTok opinion. Got to get that one. Pass that one on. And there are now some popular pastors that you never even knew about before, but now they're like number one on the list of those that you want to hear. So many voices. But the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise. And we memorize five and six, right? <laughs> I memorize five and six. Here's seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. This is where, like David, we too will come to the wrong conclusions and head straight into the enemy's territory when we only consult ourselves. David's declaration of despair showed that he had lost faith in the promise of God. It shows that the promises of God have become blurred in his life. Because you Bible students, you know this. God promised David to sit on the throne. That was the promise of God. And it's amazing, is it not, that we would receive the promise of God, but when it doesn't materialize very quickly or episodes thing happen in our lives that are exact opposite of what we expected, what happens? A natural response is we begin to doubt the promises of God. God said, David, you're going to sit on the throne, but you don't understand. It's been so hard. I'm on the run. Everybody's mad at me, and it's tired. I don't want to do this. God said. This is what God said which is so much of what we see in our culture today. Like here we are as a, a Bible, uh, Bible teaching family that has been teaching prophecy from the day that we opened our mouth and opened our Bibles. And now that's happening in front of us, many people are freaking out like it's, well, I can't believe it's happening. What do you mean you can't believe it's happening? You're living in the midst of Bible prophecy right now. This is an end time opportunity for the gospel to go forth. This is it. You know what the problem is? You're like, yeah, it's it, but I didn't think it was going to happen in my lifetime. I want the rapture to take place. I do too, but it hasn't yet. And so we await the soon coming of the Lord. David's declaration just reveals that he had lost heart in the promises of God, lost faith in God's word. Because you know, it would only be three more years. I wonder what it is for you. Three more days. Three more weeks, three more months, three more years. It's just three years for David until he experiences the promises of God. Just three more years. Friend, I don't know what the time frame is for you to experience the promises of God, but you can say it is coming. You can say it with absolute certainty. The promises of God will be fulfilled in your life and in mine. No one and nothing can thwart the will of God in your life. Nothing. Never. Ever. He doesn't know the time frame. He doesn't know the time frame, but he's got the promise. Is your problem today you want the time frame and you've dismissed the promise? Because look, you don't know the time frame either in your life, but you got the promise. You got the promise. That is Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. What you just heard is the first of four messages delivered not long ago at our Refresh Ministry Conference. Now, we know many of you were unable to attend, so we wanted to share this encouragement with you on the radio and Internet. 
And we've posted all of the messages on the Calvary Church app as well. Look for Refresh 2021 Ministry Conference, again, on the Calvary Church app. You can also listen at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. I don't have to remind you that hard times visit all of us. Elizabeth is no stranger to suffering either. Her first husband, Jim, was murdered. Her second husband was lost to cancer. But it was in her deepest suffering that she learned the deepest lessons from God. Read all about it in Suffering is Never for Nothing. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a donation of $25 or more. Just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. Remember, friend, there's nothing better for you to do than trust the Lord. Come back next week when we'll continue our Refresh Conference series on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.